Davy Crockett. Before I begin, here are a few notes on this story. The real Davy Crockett was a backwoodsman born in the mountains of Tennessee in 1786, which is just after the American Revolution, just after the founding of the United States. At that time, the settlers in the backwoods of Tennessee and Kentucky lived rugged lives. They were devoted to hunting, trapping, clearing the land, and building homesteads. Tennessee is mountainous. I lived there as a child. It's beautiful. Maybe I'll hopefully I can find some of my photos to show you. When Davy ran for Congress in 1827, he became famous for satirizing the difficult lives of these frontier men and women which means he took what was difficult about what they were experiencing and he turned them into stories, humorous stories, which is something that humans often do. They take the difficulty they experience and make it funny to cope. Some of us are doing that right now, but the time we're in right now, which is difficult, the pandemic, and that's exactly what Davy Crockett did. He gained further legendary status after he died at the Alamo, which is in Texas, in 1836, and he was fighting for Texas in its struggle for independence from Mexico, because at one point Texas was a part of Mexico, and they wanted to become part their own, and then they became part of the United States. Following Davy Crockett's death, a series of small paper-bound books were published that contained comically exaggerated tales and woodcuts, which are a type of art, about his early life called the Davy Crockett Almanacs. These books included stories and sayings from the time. And no one knows who wrote these first American tall tales. They're still celebrated for their wit and storytelling. Newspapers, songs, plays, television shows, films have further expanded the Crockett legend. But the following story is derived mostly from these original almanacs. So I bring to you the first American tall tale. An extraordinary event once occurred in the land of Tennessee. A comet shot out of the sky like a ball of foxfire. But when the comet hit the top of the Tennessee mountain, a baby boy tumbled off and landed right up on his feet. His name was Davy Crockett. Now that's the same Davy Crockett who could carry thunder in his fists and fling lightning from his fingers. That's the same Davy who liked to holler, I can slide down the slippery ends of rainbows. I'm half horse, half alligator, and a little bit of snapping turtle. I can outrun, outlick, and outholler any ringtail roar east of the Mississippi. But the truth is, Davy Crockett did seem to be half varmint, just as every varmint seemed to be half Crockett. Anyone could see that he walked like an ox, he ran like a fox, and he swam like an eel. And he liked to tell folks, When I was a baby, my cradle was the shell of a 600-pound turtle. When I was a boy, I ate so much bear meat and I drank so much buffalo milk. I could whip my weight in wildcats. Which was less amazing than you might think, because by the time Davy Crockett was eight years old, he weighed 200 pounds with his shoes off and his feet clean and his stomach empty. Davy Crockett loved to brag about the things he could lick, from wildcats to grizzly bears. Sometimes, though, his bragging got him in big trouble. Take the time he got caught in a thunderstorm in the middle of the forest carrying nothing but a stick. 
After hiking some ten miles in the rain, he was so hungry he could have wolfed down a hickory stump, roots and all. He began to search through a black thicket for something good to eat. Just as he parted some trees with his stick, he saw two big eyes just a-staring up at him, lit up like a pair of red-hot coals. Thinking he'd come across a fun fight and a tasty feast combined, David neighed, Davy neighed like a horse, and then he hollered like a screech owl. Hello there, I'm Davy Crockett, and I'm real hungry, which means bad news to any little warm-blooded, four-legged, squinty-eyed, yellow-bellied creature. Lightning suddenly lit the woods, and Davy got a good look at his dinner. Bah, thunder, he breathed. The hair went up on the back of his neck, and his eyes got as big as dogwood blossoms. Staring back at him was the big eater of the forest, the biggest panther this side of Mississippi. He was just a-sitting there with a pile of bones and skulls all around him like pumpkins in a pumpkin patch. Now, before Davy could beg the varmint's pardon, the panther spit a sea of froth at him, and his teeth began to grind away like a sixty-sixty-horsepower sawmill. Ooh, now, I did not mean what I just said, Davy apologized backing away slowly, but that panther shot white-hot fire from his eyes and he gave three or four sweeps of his tail as he advanced on Davy. Yeah, uh, think you can forgive me for making a little joke, Davy begged, but that panther let out a growl almost as loud as 500 boulders crashing down a mountainside. Uh, want to sing a duet, Davy asked, but the panther just growled again and took a step closer. Well, I guess I'm going to have to get serious, Davy said, trying to bluff his way out. The panther stepped forward. Davy crouched down. I'm getting serious now, he warned. But the panther just put his head real low like he was about to leap. With disaster just uh, staring him in the face, Davy suddenly concentrated on grinding his own teeth until he sounded like a hundred horsepower sawmill. Then he concentrated on growling his own growl until he sounded like 5,000 boulders tumbling down outside. Now, as he stepped toward that panther, they were both a grinding and a growling until a final growl and a final grate brought the two together. And then there, in that rainy forest, they began wrestling each other for death or for dinner. Now, just as the panther was about to make a chopped meat out of Davy's head, Davy gave him an upward blow under the jaw. He swung him around like a monkey, and he throttled him by the neck, and he threw him over one shoulder, and he twirled him around by his tail. And as Davy was turning the panther into bread dough, the big eater yowled for mercy. Okay, fine, 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 said Davy, panting. I'm not about to skin such an amazing feller as yourself, but I'm not about to leave you here to collect any more of them bones and skulls, neither. I guess you better come home with me and learn some manners. So Davy Crockett led the big eater of the forest back to his cabin, and there he taught him all a sorts of civilization. Davy taught him how to fold his paws and sing the tenor of a church song and how to rake the leaves with his claws. Best of all, he taught him how to light the hearth fire at night with his burning eyes and then lead Davy to bed in the dark. From then on, you could say that these two were best companions. But Davy's boasting got him in big trouble with more than just the wild critters. It also nearly ended his political career. It seems that one year he figured the Tennessee legislator was in sore need of a feller with a natural sense of book learning. With a natural sense instead of some book learning. And that feller and nobody but me, he bragged as he went about the state making campaign speeches. I can sleep under a blanket of snow. I can out-squeeze a boa constrictor. I can outwit the sliest fox in the woods. I'm your man.
In one of his speeches, Davy got so carried away that he boasted he'd once grinned an old raccoon right out of a tree. And folks, I can grin any dang raccoon out of any dang tree in the whole dang world if I can't. You can call me a liar and feed me to a bunch of hungry bears in winter, he said. Well, Davy's opponent recognized that this was his big chance to prove once and for all that Davy Crockett was nothing but a blow hard and a boaster. So one moony night in August, the feller got a crowd together, and as soon as they all stood outside Davy's cabin, the varmint hollered, Crockett, come out of here. These folks want to see your raccoon trick. Sure, Davy said, I'd be glad to show them feeling pretty confident because he believed all his own boasts. Davy led the crowd through the woods until he spied a raccoon grinning high up in a hickory tree. Jiminy criminy, here I go now, watch me folks, he said. And he set to grinning at the fellow and he grinned and he grinned and he grinned. But after he'd been grinning like a fool for a spell, that raccoon just kept sitting up in the tree, grinning back down at him, not tumbling down or nothing. After a while, Folks began to get restless, and Davy began to get mad. His whole reputation was on the line. He did not relish being fed to a bunch of bears, neither. He got so mad that he finally stomped home, and he got an axe. Then he returned to the woods, and he commenced to cut down that tree. Well, when the tree fell, and Davy grabbed for the critter, he discovered the grinning raccoon was actually nothing but an old knothole that looked like a raccoon. But look at this, Davy said, beaming to the crowd. The fact is I done grinned the bark right off of this tree. <laughs> he was telling the truth because right there around that old knot hole, the bark was perfectly smooth. Go figure, grumbled his opponent as the crowd cheered. Now another tale of Davy's bragging concerned one hot day on the banks of the Mississippi River. His old Davy was straggling along, feeling restless because he hadn't had a fight in 10 days. He comes across a keelboat being pushed upriver. Now the fella pushing it had hair as black as a crow's wing and he wore a red flannel shirt. There wasn't a man on the river that wouldn't recognize Mike Fink, king of the Mississippi boatmen. Hello there, Davy shouted from the shore. If you don't watch out, that boat's going to run back on down the river. I'm about the only ring-tailed roarer in the world who can tame the Mississippi. Mike Fink gave Davy a mean look. <laughs> Oh, you don't know beans from buckshot, you old cock-a-doodle-doo, he said. Well, now I don't care a Johnny Cake for you either, said Davy. Come on ashore and let me whip you. I've been trying to get a fight going all morning. And then he flapped his hands near his hips and he crowed like a rooster. Well, now Mike Fink, feeling chock full of fight himself, curved his neck and he neighed like a horse. So Davy Crockett thumped his chest and he roared like a gorilla. So Mike Fink threw back his head and he howled like a wolf. So Davy Crockett arched his back and he screamed like a panther. Now the two of them kept carrying on, flapping, shaking, thumping, howling, screaming, until they both got too tired to carry on. And then Davy waved his hand. Farewell, stranger. I'm all satisfied now. Me too, said Mike. I feel much better myself. Now in spite of all of his boasting and bragging and all of his screaming and a-fighting, Davy Crockett did do some remarkable things for humankind. Take this story he always liked to tell about himself and the sun. Now one day it was so cold, the sunlight froze as fast as it rose. When Davy Crockett saw daybreak was so far behind time, he grew concerned. Now I better strike a little fire with my fingers, he said. I better light my little pipe. I better travel a few miles to see what's going on. 
Now Davy brought his knuckles together like two thunderclouds, but the sparks froze before he could even begin to collect them. He had no choice but to start on his way and try to keep himself from freezing. So off he went, hop, skip, jump, whistling the tune of his favorite song, Fire in the Mountains. Even then, his hat froze to his head and 20 icicles formed under his nose. After he'd hopped, skipped, and jumped about 10 miles up to the peak of Daybreak Hill, Davy Crockett discovered exactly what was going on. Earth had frozen on her axis and couldn't turn around. The reason was the sun had gotten jammed between two giant cakes of ice. Creation, said Davy. Something must be done or human life is over. So he took a can of bear grease and he poured about a ton of it over the sun's face. Then he kicked the cakes of ice until he wrenched the sun loose. Move along, Charlie, keep a going, he shouted. In about 15 seconds, the sun woke up with such a beautiful smile that it made Davy sneeze. Then he lit his pipe with a blaze of sunlight. And as the earth began to move on her axis, he headed on home with a piece of sunrise in his pocket.